Uh, So tonight we're reading from Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else that you're searching for? I'm falling. In the good times, I find myself longing for change. In the bad times, I fear myself. Tell me something, boy. Ain't you tired of trying to fill the void? Do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm longing. Hey, the film A Star Has Been Born uh, was a great film that Kate and I really enjoyed this year. And for me, it articulates in that song uh, some of the lyrics that I feel some of us are at today. I'm longing for change. Is there something else that you're searching for? Our theme, uh, our sermon series has been called Encircled, and we've been looking at this cultural moment that we find ourselves in. A moment that despite being awesome and having some awesome things happening in our society and in our culture and in our world today, yet it feels like at times, for some, we're longing for change. There's something else we're searching for. On the screen, there's going to be a few reminders uh, of what the comedian Kevin Bridges uh, said recently on his tour. His tour was called Kevin's Take on the Modern World, and I used these a few weeks ago, but just have a little look and refresh your memory about some of the things that Kevin said about his take on the modern world. You know, as clergy, 
we have been looking at the subject of culture. Dave has been inhaling the books. We've been listening to podcasts on what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian world. Does God, Scripture, Jesus and his church have anything to say to our society and our culture today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we look at this passage, as we hear from you, Lord God, we pray that you just speak uh, to us, Lord Jesus. That, Father, you take what I have and, and just use it, we pray. We pray that your voice would be clear. That, Father, your spirit would come. Open our ears that we would hear you, our eyes that we would see you. And Father, leave us with something that we can take and do something with. Inspire us, Lord Jesus. Empower us, Lord God, we pray. Amen. On my way to work uh, recently, I cycled past an old muse. This, this isn't me. That person's a lot more fitter than I am. And I think that's past Holyrood. I don't even go that way. But um, this guy cycling to work. I was cycling to work. And I noticed this little small muse that was quite cute. And I remember seeing it thinking, oh, that's quite cute. I wonder where that leads. And then the next day I was cycling and I drove past it again. And then I got this like little nudge like oof, inside, like this little inclination that I should kind of go back and drive down the muse. It was like it was drawing me. I was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm going to go down that muse because it's the opposite way to work. And if I turn around and cycle back and go down the muse, I don't know where it's going to lead. And then I'm going to be late for work. But then as I cycled, I felt like God was saying, no, 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 no. Turn around, cycle back, go down the little muse that you think is quite cute, and just do it. So I kind of gave in, and I've kind of learned that over the years that when God gives these little nudges, these little inclinations, these little like, kind of breadcrumbs, often it leads to something good. Don't always get it right, but this little inclination, it might be God. So I turned my bike round a bit reluctantly, kind of looking at my watch, thinking they're all going to be in their stand-up meeting if it's not quick. Turned round, cycled back, down this little alley, got to the end of it. I said, God, I knew it. It's a dead end. It's like a dead end. I can't even get out. And then I got off my bike, and I looked up. And in a big glass window was Jess. Jess, who used to be an intern, was on staff, leads us in worship. She just started a job. I had no idea where she worked or, or the location. I said, there she is. So I was like, oh, great. Well, maybe that was why God kind of asked me to do it. Brilliant. Makes complete sense. Jess came out. We had an amazing conversation. And it was really great to start the day talking about church and God and her work and stuff. And then this lady kind of appeared a bit kind of down the end of the muse. And I joked to Jess and I said, oh, I don't really know why I'm here, to be honest. I, I kind of cycled back round and kind of came, but, you know, I don't really know why I'm here. And then I joked with Jess and I said, maybe God wants me to talk to that woman down there, hey? And then we said goodbye and I kind of got closer and closer to the lady. And I was like, oh, my goodness. She's one of the mums from the school that I see every day. And out of the 700-plus mums that are at that school, I know who she is. And we've traveled on a bus together and we have not a conversation. She doesn't know what I does and now I know where she works. So she was outside this yoga place and it was really interesting because outside the yoga place, I was struck when I cycled in by this, this like caption and it said this, happiness and peace for all. What an amazing promise, eh? It's like, do that yoga, you will have happiness and peace. Anybody that does it, you will have happiness and peace. And I was like, wow, I mean, who promises that? 
So I kind of cycled, got off my bike, and I was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? She's like, oh, do you, do you work here? I was like, no, I can't, I'm over there, but do you work here? She said, yeah, I'm just opening up. I was like, well, can I help? Can I kind of move this barn door for you? We got talking and stuff. I was like, this is great that you do yoga. She said, yeah, I think people really need it. And I was like, ah, oh, do you? Why do you think people really need it? I said, oh, she said, I think people are really searching, aren't they? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think people are really kind of longing for something, you know, and um, oh, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I have all these people kind of come and, and they, they try yoga and it's kind of like the thing that they kind of just, just want, it's kind of like their last resort, but then they get caught up on the whole thing of like, well, is this pure yoga? Is this the yoga that we should be doing? Does it have the pure moves and the right moves and so on? Is this the right yoga to follow? And I was like, oh my, my gosh, yeah, I mean, I have no idea about yoga, but that sounds horrific. And then she said, what do you do? And I was like, okay, here we go. I was like, oh, um, I'm a vicar, I'm a priest. You know, I kind of, I work at a church that's just kind of over there. She said, oh, uh, do you find that people are longing and searching too? I was like, yeah. And she said, well, what is it like for you? Do they just come and kind of consume and kind of get caught up on stuff? And I was like, you know what? I said, our church is full of people from places from all, all over. She said, it's a place where worlds collide. It's a place where people are from all different walks of life. It's people who are piecing their life to get back together. It's people who, in many ways, people would see them as being successful. It's a place where people are involved in all different sorts of things. But it's a place where people can be found. She's like, well, that's really interesting. What do you do at the church? So we talked about what we do at the church. I told her about the Saturday meal that we do and, and the 100 plus. We had 106 yesterday here in this space. Just people on the, on the margins of society coming together, eating together, finding a space that's safe. And it was an incredible conversation. Having listened to the podcast about the culture that we find myself in, hearing from someone who doesn't go to church, doesn't believe in God, but able to see that people are longing, they're searching, they want something, they want to find the thing that makes sense. It was incredible to have this conversation with her. And I kind of came away thinking, wow, you know what? People are searching, people are looking. You know, and I think that she came away surprised and inspired that the church has got something to say to our world today. That God does meet people today. That scripture has got something to say in our world. And that Jesus is the one to follow. Jesus is the one that we follow and where we find our answers. You know, just this week... Um, Dave, Libby, and I were in this meeting, and we heard from a lady who used to work at P's and G's, but she's setting up this initiative that's going to go live soon, and there's going to be an app, and so on. It's called Bible 2020. You've maybe heard of it. But it basically, it's going to encourage public reading of Scripture around the world. This is their vision. Their vision is to inspire a global community to read the Bible aloud across the world every day, over 2020. And the deal is that you'll get your phone, there'll be an app, you can stand there as if you're kind of FaceTiming someone, you can be on the bus, you can be outside of Holyrood, you can be at Schoolgate, you can be wherever, but you can read out scripture to the culture and the people around you, words of living life right in front of you. You upload your video and it goes into this big pool of videos that people can click on from all around the world and you can hear scripture verse from all around the world. Scripture's got something to say to our world today. What an amazing opportunity. Watch out for that. That's coming up. It's going to start in New Zealand. Um, 
uh, in January the 1st as the sun comes up and then because they get it first because obviously you know, it comes around here. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be good. Watch out for that. I just think that's awesome. I think, you know, if we want to impact and shape our culture today, I want to suggest that we need to have faith and trust in the knowledge that God is at work, that his word, his scripture has got something to say, that Jesus is relevant today, that Jesus can speak to our friends today, that God is doing an incredible thing amongst us. We also heard this week, uh, Dave Libby and I, in the same meeting, a guy called Malcolm Round, who's a vicar in a church called St. Mungo's, and he was saying that just the Saturday gone, so last Saturday, not yesterday, they had 70-plus people queuing up outside their cafe, it's at their church, it's called Spirit Cafe, to get a spiritual reading. It's basically prophecy, prayer and prophecy. So 70 people who don't go to church, maybe don't believe in God, hungry, longing, desperate, longing for change, longing for something, queuing up, standing to be prayed for, standing to hear what God's got to say for them, over them, into their life. Like God is doing some awesome things. Let's start putting our faith and trust that God and Scripture and His church has got something to say to our culture and to our world today. People are wanting something more, something eternal. Because whilst we would agree that it's a great time to live in with all the advances and the amazing networks and social media that we're in, we still find ourselves lonely and disconnected. It doesn't quite hit it. It doesn't quite make the mark. People want to be led better, they want to lead better, they want to live better. Dave mentioned, I think it was last week, that we're living in this screen age. The screen age is the new discipleship makers. Those who encourage us to follow stuff, do stuff, buy things, watch this, listen to that, go here, spend here, invest over there. Well, our talk involves some of them key words. Follow, share, like. Let's just look at that text again then. Let's just have it up. Chapter 5, verse 27. Jesus calls Levi and he eats with sinners. Jesus went out and he saw. Libby reminded us this morning that when you unpack that word, it actually means to um, look intently. It actually means to gaze intently and examine closely. So Jesus sees this tax collector. Most people would have walked past him. Most people would have ignored him, but Jesus sees him and he says to him, follow me. Why did he choose him? He must have saw something in him, but he said, follow me. Jesus is going around looking for followers, not to follow him on the screen time, obviously, not to give give up their screen time, but to give up their whole lifetime, their whole life worth of, of time. So I want you to imagine someone, just picture the person in your head now, the person that you would least imagine being here at church now, maybe in one of the empty seats, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your boyfriend, girlfriend, a family member, I don't know, but just imagine the person, the least person you'd imagine to sit on that seat. Imagine that that's Levi, like he doesn't want to be around Jesus. The chances are he's being dishonest. The chances are his corrupt tax collectors were corrupt. Chances are he didn't want to be around someone who spoke truth and actually was truth. The person actually wouldn't follow a rabbi, wouldn't follow somebody like that, but actually would hide in the shadows, hide in his tax booth. Imagine your friend that you'd imagine that never coming here, getting up, following Jesus, and leaving their lifestyle behind. Amazing, eh? That would be just incredible, wouldn't it? 
the type of job that he was doing meant that people didn't really like them. They were kind of despised. They were lowly, not low paid because of corruption, but maybe weren't really very honest. And yet he still left everything. I just think that gives us so much hope as people because the most unlikely person followed Jesus. The most unlikely person to change changed, followed him, dropped everything and followed Jesus. How did Levi follow Jesus? He followed him wholeheartedly. He left everything and he followed Jesus. Maybe something that would speak to our culture and our society today would be a society, would be people that would follow Jesus wholeheartedly. That there's enough evidence to actually say, yeah, that person's definitely a Christian. That person definitely follows Jesus. Just look at their lifestyle. Look at their bank account. Look at how they treat their enemies. Look how they love people. Look how they serve. There's enough evidence to say, yeah, that person probably does follow Jesus. People who don't waver or compromise, but follow him with everything. Okay, let's look. What did, what did Levi do next? This is really interesting for me. Verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus in his house. He basically had a party. <laughs> he had a party. Levi was like, this is amazing. I've got to tell my friends. Jesus is awesome. I've got to tell my friends. And what's amazing for me in this is that when you read the passage, the people, the majority of the people that were there were the tax collectors. So it was his work colleagues. It wasn't the easy pickings. It wasn't the like, oh, they, they kind of like, they're interested in church anyway. It was the ones that actually were caught up in the same things he was caught up in. It was the ones that actually he would have to see on a Monday morning. It was the ones that actually it was quite costly. But yet he invited people who were like him, who were in the same career as him, to come round and have a party. What an amazing thing. I have a friend who uh, is a vicar in London, and he used to run the Alpha course. He'd do all the Alpha talks and so on. And one day, this, this couple from Florida came to the church, heard the, the talks and so on, and thought, this is brilliant. They went back to Florida. Then they invited him to come out to Florida. They hired a yacht, and they got him on the yacht, and they said, hey, would you just do all the Alpha talks to all of our friends? We're going to have them all together in the same place on the yacht. They can't get off. There's no boats, there's no way to go. But every night over wine, will you just do the Alpha Talks on the yacht? I just think that's amazing. Like, how intentional is that? How amazing is to say, I know what's going to get the guys. We're going to go on a yacht, and it's going to be all my work colleagues and all my friends, and they're just going to hear the Alpha stories. They're going to hear all the talks. Amazing. Now, we don't have a yacht. You might have a yacht, I don't know. We don't have a yacht, but we have some awesome church parties and socials that creates an opportunity for us to bring our work colleagues, friends, families, neighbors, uh, students, there are people that we live with to be around Jesus, to hear about Jesus, to have the opportunity, the potential of following Jesus. We don't have yachts, but we do have Christmas events. Awesome events, all carols, beer and carols, all sorts of stuff that's coming up. Be thinking and praying now and thinking, I'm going to gather all my friends like Levi did. And I'm going to gather them in a place so that they can hear about Jesus. They have the potential of hearing about Jesus and having their lives completely changed. For me, it kind of ends a bit bitter here because the Pharisees get involved 
They start picking holes in him. They start criticizing Jesus. Hey, you're a bit of a party animal. Wherever you go, there seems to be a party. Your disciples eat and drink, and the others fast, and they pray. And they're starting to really have a go at Jesus. And Jesus is kind of saying, look, I've come for the people who need it. I've come for the work colleagues who are caught up in corruption. I'm come for the people who are just lost and fed up with the systems that aren't working. I'm come for the people who are longing for change. I've come for the people who need a saviour. I'm here for them. And actually, I'm the party. Like, why would you fast when the bridegroom is here? Like, I am the life and the soul. I'm here. Like, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. He then also goes on to talk about the wineskins. And he's basically saying, look, these guys have tasted the good stuff. These guys have tasted the good stuff. Don't get caught up in, in, in rituals and traditions and so on. Is it this service? Is it that service? Is it this time? Is it that time? What is it like? See the news, the good stuff. See the wine. See the one that's quality. And when you've tasted it, they, don't, they won't want to go back to their old way of living, the stuff that you can get caught up in. When you've tasted and seen the good stuff, they ain't going to go back to it. Jesus is really challenging me, saying these lives, these guys, their lives are going to be changed. They're transformed. I think we live in a time where people are desperate to see authenticity. Libby said that this morning, didn't she? Authenticity. People who leave everything, follow Jesus wholeheartedly, who just do parties well, gather people to be able to hear Jesus, to have the opportunity to hear stories We're going to watch a video in a moment of another unexpected follower of Jesus, a Scottish man who had a life of cocaine and violence, but follows Jesus, leaves everything, and his life is completely turned around. For me, this gives me hope that whoever's in your head now and thinking, that's my Levi, that's the person that would never come to church. Like, it's just incredible that Jesus would call someone as he calls us to follow him leave everything. That's going to impact our culture. That's going to change our society. Let's roll the video and then we'll jump up again. I worked in retail by day. I was a bouncer by night. But I only really did these jobs to feed my cocaine addiction. The life of a bouncer was very violent and pretty much anything went. I would stand on the door and get abuse after abuse. And the mentality was to push each other with a lot of banter and try and be faster or funnier or more aggressive than the next guy. My life became a, a real jump between knocking people out or punching people in the face and waking up in park benches. The violent scene made me take more, more drink and drugs just to kind of stay normal. Um, and then one night I found myself alone and I took an overdose. Um, and I realised that I didn't want to die, so I cried out in prayer. The next day I woke up and didn't want to touch cocaine ever again. I put this down to my own strength and just being a strong character. But then something was different. I kept meeting Christians and in my line of work that was quite strange. And then there was this one woman, Fiona, who worked in the store I worked in and she was a Christian. She openly shared her faith and that made me ask her a lot of questions and I mercilessly tortured her for answers. And she was really, really nice and didn't get angry and handed me a Bible and said I should maybe try reading it. I decided to ask Fiona out because I really started to fall for her. She said no. (laughs) And then I thought she lived her life by this book, so I should maybe get the answer for why she should go out with me in this book. So I started to read it. 
And instead, I found a lot of other things. It was at this point that I asked Fiona to take me along to church. When I got to church, I didn't really know what to expect. I'd never been to church before. And um, there was an alpha starting. So I thought, what have I got to lose? So I went along and did the alpha course. It was great to meet so many different people who um, made me feel just so welcome and were just really, really nice. And it really made me start to think about some of the bigger questions in life, like why would God choose to forgive me or how could I even possibly remotely become a Christian? As the weeks went on, we got closer and closer and, you know, we ate together, we had fun together, we laughed over the discussions and we really started to develop a real sense of family. And it was these people's lives living out what it meant to be a Christian today that really spoke to me and really encouraged me to think about things differently. Alpha really turned the questions I had into a belief about God and that God really genuinely cares for me and everyone else. I changed from a violent, loveless drug addict to a family man who's happily married and just a lover of life. Fiona and I are now married and we've just had a wee baby. I've been running alphas for many different peoples, from gangs to grannies, and I've really seen people's lives change. Every day is an adventure. Thank you.